All right, Manitoba, welcome back to another episode, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're having a wonderful day, as always. Real fast, Manitoba, like, share, subscribe, do all that good stuff that helps out the show. I truly do appreciate it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, TikTok, and Rumble at MB Freethinker. Facebook and YouTube is Manitoba Freethinker Podcast. If you want to send me an email, you could send it to mbfreethinker at gmail.com. Or go to my webpage at uh, mbfreethinker.wordpress.com. All right, Manitoba. The good, the bad, the ugly. That is the name of today's show. And honestly, that's just what I think of when I go over the news, um, the news cycle over the last couple of days. You know what, Manitoba? It seems very rare when um, the government here in Manitoba actually spends their tax dollars on a cause that will make Manitoba better for Manitobans. So when they do that, I am going to point it out. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's far and few between. Um, so the first few articles, I was like, damn, you know what I mean? This, is, this makes me happy. They're kind of getting back to business, you know what I mean? Spending money on... Like I said, Manitoba, keeping the money in Manitoba. Um, obviously, I don't know how they're going to implement these plans. Um, it could be a shit show. You know, it is our government. I'm sure they'll find a way to screw it up. But um, take a look at the first article that came out. Um, I, I don't know if they have been listening to Mayoral Hopeful Don Woodstock, because he has been harping on um, the city and the province to do something about the homelessness. He's been filming bus shelters. Um, he just recently did a, a Facebook video. I, I'm not sure which street he was on, but he took a walk, did a live. Garbage everywhere, needles everywhere. So like I said, he's been consistently harping on our government to do something. So... Um, here it is, like uh, Manitoba government announces more than $6.3 in new funding to support homelessness initiatives. So this, this Manitoba is definitely a good thing. Like, we all know Winnipeg is a trash city. <laughs> sure, there are awesome people, yeah, whatever. But Winnipeg is trash, we all know that, and it's trash because of our elected officials. They always want to do right like, they want to do what sounds right instead of do what's actually right. You know what I mean? Um, so that that's why our tax dollars don't get spent on Manitobans, a.k.a. why Bowman sends money out of his mayoral budget to Ukraine. Like, our city taxes went to Ukraine. I don't have a problem with the federal government supporting Ukraine, but our city taxes... But like I said, Manitoba, this is a good thing. Uh, cleaning up downtown, getting rid of the homelessness problem, getting rid of the thousands of needles that you see everywhere when you're downtown. Um, getting rid of the daily crime, never mind nightly, but the daily crime that happens downtown. Then, then you can encourage Winnipeggers and Manitobans in general to come downtown and make uh, Winnipeg more of a vibrant and upbeat city. Kind of like what Time Magazine claims. You remember that back uh, was a year ago. They claimed Winnipeg was the best place to live in 2021. And that's out of the world. They claimed Winnipeg was the best place to live. 
but but like I said, but before you encourage us to go downtown and spend our money downtown, bring our family downtown, clean up the problem. So like I said, Manitoba, I will point out when good things, uh, when our government does good things um, from the government. The Manitoba government is helping vulnerable citizens by providing $6.3 million to community agencies as part of the province's first whole-of-government strategy to end homelessness, family ministers uh, Roquel Squires announced today. I don't know if her name's Roquel, Rochelle, I'm not sure. Uh, our government understands that addressing homelessness calls for a coordinated, multifaceted approach that include, includes community-led solutions to connect vulnerable people to the housing supports they need, said Squires. These early steps our government is announcing today will ensure community-led organizations can continue to provide culturally appropriate services to people in need uh, so they could have safe places to call home and hope for the future. The whole of government strategy includes five key pillars, which have been affirmed through broad community con- consultation. One, modernizing the emergency response. Manitoba, that is huge. There's so much dollars wasted and time that our police waste responding to this issue over and over. And obviously our paramedics and fire consist constantly, um, you know, be, uh, like their services are being eaten up by the homelessness. Number two, ensuring housing is provided with supports. Three, focusing on prevention. Four, improving service navigation and delivery. And five, recognizing rural and northern needs. Under the first pillar, new funding will be directed toward community-based organizations that are modernizing the emergency response and meeting acute needs in Winnipeg. In November, Heather Stephenson announced $1.5 million in support of, I'm going to butcher this, Endinawamak, which offered warming space to up to 150 of Manitoba's most vulnerable citizens. Today, Squires was pleased to announce that Manitoba government is providing an additional $1.872 million to sustain ongoing, ongoing 24-hour operations with cultural-relevant programming. The government always got to add that, eh? They always got to bring race into it. In support of the second pillar, the Manitoba government is investing in the Planned Homes for Heroes Veterans Village with 500000 to help fund the construction of 20 tiny homes that will be serviced by an on-site counseling that sorry that will be serviced by on-site counseling additionally $855,600 will be directed to support transitional housing services offered by the West Central Women's Resource Center the province is also committed 1 million to relaunch the proposal development funding PDF program which supports the development of new affordable and social housing projects while leveraging new federal funding program opportunities. The province will issue a call for applications this summer to identify successful proponents, sorry, proponents to help facilitate new housing projects. Almost done, Manitoba. Under the third pillar, including the indexation of rent assist and the creation of Manitoba's first ever rent bank, are already helping to prevent homelessness in Manitoba. The Manitoba Rent Relief Fund MRRF has approved more than 400 interest-free loans since the end of May 2021, helping families to remain in their homes. Further initiatives will be announced uh, to that end and to improve service navigation and delivery province-wide. The minister has also announced the province is helping. Sorry, the province is helping Manitoba struggling with affordability by indexing rent assist benefits. Rent Assist is a shelter benefit delivered by the province for low-income Manitobans who are serving employment and income assistance, sorry, receiving 
and have shelter costs or who are renting in the community and are not receiving EIA. Rent Assist Housing Afford, uh, rent assist keeps housing affordable for Manitobans with low income. Each year, benefits are indexed to reflect 75% and the assessed median market rent. Okay, so, yeah, like I said, this is all good. If you guys want to read the article, it's, I mean, it's all over the mainstream media, but go to mb.gov.ca and check it out. But like I said, Manitoba, this is a good thing. Um pumping all this money into the homelessness problem like i don't want to keep saying it but like i said winnipeg is trash and we all know it everyone that lives here at least knows it so like i said i want to point out when manitoba government does something good because this doesn't happen that often here is a few more good investments canada and manitoba invest in waste water treatment and waste management infrastructure projects so i i mean i'm not going to read this article because it's obviously super boring but um minister of labor consumer protection and government services announced more than 34.4 million in funding for 10 wastewater and waste management projects in manitoba i know that doesn't sound like a big deal manitoba but it is um when these kind of projects are made that creates a lot of uh, a lot of jobs so uh, a lot of high paying jobs as well so I love when our tax dollars goes to buying or funding or creating institutions or whatever that better life for all that better the life for all Manitobans, not just a select group. Like I said, which our government loves to do. They they love to bring race or gender into everything. So um yeah, like I said, they they really like picking a minority group, usually one they're not part of. They pretend to know what it's like to be part of that minority group. And then they tell Manitoba and that group how they are going to save them by spending all of our tax dollars. So I know there's nothing fun and exciting about water treatment plants or sewage treatment plants. Um, but the more money that we invest in the province is a good thing. Like I said, these, these are the projects that help our economy. They create jobs, high paying jobs. Um, long-term high-paying jobs for thousands of Manitobans. And then, obviously, in turn, those Manitobans spend their money in Manitoba. So, it's good. And, I mean, and you would think that an updated facility would uh, be more efficient and need less repairs, so that would also save money. So, good job, Manitoba, spending money in Manitoba. <laughs> it's funny saying that because it doesn't happen that often. But literally, that was it for good. It, it doesn't take long when you go uh, when you read the news in Manitoba to get past the good. <laughs> I covered this already a few shows ago, but the province, they will not drop it. They're now just trying to scare Manitobans with, with big fines. And um, they're also like with uh, the fact that the insurance won't cover them. Like, it is insane. It's all about money. Every time Manitobans try to make some extra money, you know, especially during these tough times, um, the government shuts it down. You know what? It, they, they do their best to... Oh, just give me one second. Yeah, they do their best to um, throw up as much red tape as possible every single time. 
that uh, there's an opportunity for Manitobans to make money. Like, do you guys remember Uber tried to come here years ago? They're making it hard uh, putting up all this red tape for Airbnb here in the province and the city of Winnipeg right now. They don't want you to sell food straight to the customer. They're super against that. So like every time you try and make a little bit of money or become self self-sufficient or like just not to rely on a government handout, the government comes banging on your door, shutting it down. For, <laughs> from Pool and Spa, Manitoba warns private pool renters of considerable fines amid complaints. That's the most frustrating part. COVID, I mean, encouraged this. But now ratting your neighbor out is like commonplace here in Manitoba. The province of Manitoba has warned property owners who rent out their private pools of fines of up to $672, resulting from a breach of provincial regulations around public and private pools. The province receives complaints from the public and neighbors about backyard pool rentals. Unreal Manitoba. Like, who is who? who would be that person to call the province and complain? about their neighbor renting out their pool. It blows me away. In a report from CBC, a representative from the province explained when a privately owned pool is rented out to others, then it legally is considered a public pool, which means the same rules and regulations apply. Um, like, so they need a life, they need a lifeguard and they need uh, like uh, specific lighting and all that stuff. So there's a, a famous uh, or popular pool rental app, Swimply. It was launched in 2018, and apparently Manitobans are signing on um, a lot, especially with the hot weather we've been getting. And um, yeah, Manitobans are renting out their backyards, but the province is now cracking down on it. And this is what they do every time. Check this out. Insurance expert Anne-Marie Thomas, Director of Consumer and Industry Relations at the Insurance Bureau of Canada, has weighed in on the matter. It's important for people to understand, oh, this quote, it's important for people to understand the risk that they're taking. She explained that insurance companies charge additional fees if someone uses a pool privately for the family, which is indicative of the extra liability around private pool use. No longer is it personal insurance policy with a family. Now the risk, meaning the home, is operating as a business and it changes the risk and it changes the policy, end quote. Like, this is what I mean, Manitoba. So for this reason, uh, they continue, for this reason, renters who use apps like Simply become prone to considerable legal liabilities because which their insurance providers could void if they uh, void their contract with them. Um, Swimply does provide liability insurance of up to a million dollars, but apparently, I mean, I don't know. They're saying this could be not be enough. I guess maybe if someone rents out your party or your pool and dies, but it, it just seems like that's just the trend in Manitoba. And what blows me away is this is like the the theme. Like when people are struggling, they're not letting you make extra money. You know, when people are starving, they're cracking down on the farmers. Like, what the fuck is going on? So I want to know, like, what happened to governing like a conservative? Like, we have conservatives. Heather Stephenson is our premier. And the same goes for Pallister. You know what I mean? Together, these two, in my opinion, ruined the party. 
like I will never vote for PC again. Sorry, Pierre, Paul of you. Um, I, I'm not going to vote for you. Your team is full of sellouts. And I like, I just won't vote for them. Like in what world can you not rent out your swimming pool in Manitoba? And, and the list goes on. It just like adds to the, you can't have a pit bull. You can't have chickens. Like I said, the crackdown on Airbnb. You can't do ride sharing because of the taxi union. Like, this is what I mean. This is not how to govern our province, especially when we are going through tough times. And I apologize, Manitoba, because it gets worse. And now the ugly. So get ready, Manitoba, because I smell lockdowns. You know, this is just, this is in time for a summer ending and the fall flu season and our mainstream media already is gearing you up. They're already trying to put that scare tactic out there. You know what I mean? So keep in mind, Manitoba, that most people just glaze through the article or they'll read the headline and the mainstream media knows that. So they purposely just put out scare tactic headlines over and over, just trying to get your blood flowing and uh, ready to gear you up for more lockdowns. I think it, like they are coming. Uh, from CBC, COVID-19 deaths, hospitalizations, sorry, I butchered that, continue to increase in Manitoba, latest report says. Increase in activity needs to be watched, but not dramatic, says Chief Public Health Officer. Oh, Wow. Where were you two years ago, Rusin? But just keep in mind, Manitoba, that will flip on a dime. One minute he'll say one thing, and then the next minute we're in lockdown. So he he says not to worry. That means nothing to me. Pretty much anything he says means nothing to me, though. When you start silencing all other doctors' opinions, a.k.a. our previous chief provincial public health officer, who was in charge of um, pandemics, SARS, uh, no, sorry. Um, fuck, I can't remember what, which which one it was. Uh, this not, I want to say swine, but maybe not. Whatever the last one was, and it was he he was in charge of two or three pandemics, and he did not do any lockdown. But uh, they they don't even like the media doesn't even take his opinion serious, and he was our previous chief Pro- provincial public health officer. So, but either way, Manitoba uh, from CBC News. Manitoba is seeing increased COVID-19 activity with higher death counts, hospitalizations, and case numbers, according to the latest weekly report, but the province's top doctor says it's too early to call it a new trend. The weekly epidemiological report released Thursday added twice as many COVID-19 deaths to the province's total than a week before. More people with severe illness were also admitted to the hospital during this week of July 31st to August 6th than the previous week, according to the report. It seems kind of funny that after one week with some increase in numbers that the media is already pumping these articles out. Wastewater surveillance data has shown an increase in COVID-19 transmission since late June, the report said. Laboratory tests confirmed a larger number of new COVID-19 cases compared to the previous week. At a Thursday news conference announcing additional appointments for monkeypox vaccination. That's a whole other story, Manitoba. Chief Provincial Public Health Officer Dr. Brent Rusin was asked about the recent COVID-19 numbers. That's, that's what I'm talking about, Manitoba. This is what our media focuses on. 
That's all that's on their mind, and they're terrified. It blew me away the questions that our mainstream media would ask Dr. Rusin. I I would just shake my head like I could not believe an adult were, was asking these questions. It was mind-blowing. Asking if he could hug. He, This reporter's fully vaccinated. His father's fully vaccinated. He asked Dr. Rusin if he could hug his dad if they both show each other their vaccination cards. Like, it just blew me away. Okay, the majority of the new cases we see when we report them as hospital. This is so frustrating, Manitoba. Like, they hide the whole, like, plot of the story. The majority of cases we see when we report them as hospitalized, those are incidental findings. The majority of these people are there because are not there because they have COVID, but they happen to test positive for COVID. So ever to all all this bullshit about our hospitals being overrun and our healthcare system on the brink, people are just going there for everyday reasons. And then if they get tested for COVID, even if the patient doesn't even know they have COVID, which means they're not displaying any symptoms and it's not affecting them health-wise, they go into panic mode and then they quarantine everyone and everyone stays home from work and that this and that and the nurses and and the people don't even know they have COVID. Like, this is what I mean. This is government-instituted policies that is fucking us over. These people are showing up for other reasons and then they're being recorded as COVID cases. So, so I mean, that just makes me wonder, all these COVID cases that you're talking about, are they just people who like have broken legs that had tested positive for COVID and COVID cases are going up? Like it's a joke how they report things here. The I'll continue though. The latest report adds 12 more COVID-19 deaths to Manitoba's total. That means nothing. Is that 12 people who died from COVID or 12 people with COVID? Manitobans continue to die at a faster rate compared to the same time period last year. A total of 566 people have died in 2022 as of the week ending August 6. Manitoba Health reports, which works out to a rate of 2.6 deaths per day. During the same 217-day period last year, there were 483 deaths, a rate of 2.2 deaths per day. So it went up 0.4 Manitoba. More people were admitted to, uh, to hospital and intensive care units compared to the previous week. There were 57 hospitalizations up from 53 and 12 ICU admissions up from 7. Do you think this... <laughs> do you think those numbers constitute a worry? Even And, and on top of it, Dr. Rusin is saying not to worry, but yet our media is still worried, still trying to scare you. Hospital staff continue to leave the system due to burnout, which further adds to the strain. Why is Manitoba continuing to do what didn't work? Like, do you think that they learned from all the hardship? Like, do you think that they learned from all the economic, financial, emotional damage that they caused? that they caused from their government lockdown policies. This is not COVID. This is government policies. Let me know in the comments below, Manitoba, what you guys think. Do you guys think they learned their lesson? We just went through a two-year lockdown or a year-and-a-half lockdown. 
I don't think they, I think they're going to repeat everything. Um, they're going to repeat everything. Shit is going to get worse. And they're going to still act like no one could have saw it coming. Meanwhile, Manitobans are taking the province to court over this stuff. And that's becoming commonplace. Manitobans, churches, small businesses, taking the province to court because they're losing their livelihood over government policy. So, you know what I mean? Um, Rusin and Pallister, in my opinion, are two pieces of shit and they have blood on their hands because it, it, like th- this is this is the ugly manitoba manitoba from cbc news manitoba patients suffered oh sorry i gotta pull this out you're still looking at me manitoba patients suffered delays bed sores during height of pandemic like this is hard to like frustrating because remember when your um grandma and grandpa were going through this you weren't even allowed to go see them so you would have no way of finding out from cbc news latest critical incident report covers first three months of 2021 the latest critical Critical incident report from Manitoba Health provides a window into the negative impacts of COVID-19 was having on patient care during the deadliest wave of the pandemic. One of Manitoba's patients died uh, when an urgent after-hour CT scan was denied, leading to an 11-hour delay. The cases amongst those highlighted in the quarterly report, which covers the first three months of 2021, Another patient died after a doctor recommended an urgent surgical intervention, but the patient did not receive it. While one patient was being transferred to another facility, malfunctioning equipment led to the patient's health deteriorating and their arrival at the facility was delayed. Although the report does not count the incident among the official death from that period, it notes that the patient died several days after the incident. The report also notes numerous incidents in which patients suffered severe health outcomes due to delays in getting treatment or diagnosis. In other cases, patients developed pressure ulcers and skin tissue degeneration, commonly known as bed sores, because staff did not intervene early enough. And Manitoba, you weren't allowed to go see them. You weren't allowed to take care of them. During this time covered by the report, Manitoba was in the midst of the second wave of COVID-19, which placed enormous pressure on staffing in the province healthcare and the province's healthcare system. Quote, when the pandemic occurred, frontline healthcare workers, namely nurses, continued to work in severely constrained work conditions and crushing workloads. You did said in an email statement provided to CBC News. So she's an associate presser at the the Department of Nursing at the University of Manitoba. Maybe the province should have fired unvaxxed nurses because remember, they were heroes for two years and then all of a sudden they became the villains very fast, the drop of a hat. You, you did, UDOD called the statistics in the report sobering and suggested that inadequate staffing could have led uh, to the critical incidents. Yeah, obviously. The quarterly report notes uh, cases were P1 
people have suffered unintended harm while receiving health care in the province. They include short descriptions of each event, but do not provide identifying factors or specific locations. The pandemic created many problems that con uh, contributed to staffing shortages in Manitoba health facilities. The government, that should say the government created many problems. Quote, staff were concerned about bringing the virus home. <laughs> they were working within a new reality. Some staff tested positive and needed to be home, creating shortfalls in staffing, UDOT said. As a result, the, uh, the quality of care for some patients declined despite the best efforts of staff and healthcare leaders. Bed sores linked to lack of staffing, says Union. Uh, this is uh, indicated by the number of patients experiencing bed sores, which occur when patients remain in the same position for too long. There, uh, quote, there are many, many ways that patients are falling through the cracks in the system when we're seeing things like an increase in the number of pressure sores, aka bed sores, that is absolutely linked to a lack of staffing or an inability to staff to do turns. Manitoba Nurse Union President Darlene Jackson said, Jackson attributes the bed sores and ulcer incidents, which are 100% preventable, to the number of nursing and healthcare vacancies. Um, quote, it takes two individual, individuals to turn a patient. What we're seeing is often staff don't have the ability to find a second person to help. Out of the 40 uh, incidents included in the report, 11 are classified as deaths. That's a decrease from the previous report covering the last three months of 2020 when 35 incidents were recorded as deaths. The incidents also likely involve more than 11 deaths. In three incidents, the report states that residents developed a healthcare-acquired infection, end quote. The report states that, quote, critical incidents related to COVID-19 outbreaks in hospitals or personal care homes are reported as group. Manitoba, I hope, I hope more Manitobans are, are reading this article or thinking about this when they come and try and lock you out again. I, I couldn't imagine my grandma or grandpa going through this alone. They didn't give a fuck. They just wanted to be with their family. And they, instead, they weren't even turned over. They were getting bed sores. Since the time of the report, staffing has remained a challenge for Manitoba's healthcare system, while a backlog of tens of thousands of procedures has only recently begun to shrink. Keep in mind, Audrey Gordon will go on TV and smile and say, don't worry, we're on it. We're taking care of it, Manitoba. But this is the truth. Many of the nurses leaving the public health system are recent graduates, Jackson said. During their training, they've, they're given a manageable number of patients only to be overwhelmed when they enter the healthcare system. Quote, when they get into the real world and into the healthcare system, their workload is absolutely crushing. They get very delusioned and say that's not what I signed up for. Even without the presence of a pandemic, UDOT says the human resource crisis within the healthcare system poses a significant risk to patients. Jackson agrees. I agree too, Manitoba. This has been like a problem for like what, 10, 20 years? Pretty much my whole damn life. And, and it's so frustrating when Artie Gordon will... Like, I remember during Wave 2. I, I talked about this in the audio-only podcast. Go check it out. But Wave 2, 
she was saying, don't worry, Manitoba, everything's all taken care of. And then you read the fine print and she's talking about in the next five years, we're going to do this if we get the funding, if we can hire this and that doctor. So they say they're going to do one thing, but they actually don't even have anything lined up. So I would like to point this out, elected officials. There are more studies coming out to explain to you guys the damage that you caused. But you know what? Unfortunately, Manitoba, this goes in one ear and out the other. And you know why? Because we all know that they don't follow the same rules that they impose on us. I covered how Audrey Gordon, Rochelle Raquel Squires, Bowman, Stephenson, they all broke the rules. They literally just said, oops, I won't do it again. But you better not do it or else you will get fined. You will lose your job. We'll fire you. But this, another study. U, U, U of M, University of Manitoba study focuses on impact of COVID-19 pandemic on cancer care in Manitoba. Man, I hope our government's reading this shit. The U of W study focused on understanding the impact that the COVID-19 pandemic had on cancer care in Manitoba. And that study has received 439000 from the Canadian Institute of Health Research. Okay, so Dr. Kathleen Decker, Associate Professor of, Professor of Community Health Sciences, Max Rady College of Medicine, and a Senior Scientist and Lead of the Health Services Research Platform at Cancer Care, that was a mouthful, said the pandemic has had unprecedented impact on cancer control in the province, from screening and diagnosis to treatment and survival. <sighs> Decker, the, st uh, the study's principal investigator, said some impacts of the pandemic included changes to the cancer screening programs, shifts from in-person to virtual care for some patients, changes to Chemo, uh, chemotherapy and radiation schedules and the priorita prioritization of critical cancer surgeries. Quote, we need to measure the actual impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on cancer care in Manitoba using real-world world data and that's what we want to do with this study, Decker said. I'm going to add, Manitoba, that we need to do this study and then hold someone accountable. And I obviously I know it can't be like criminally accountable, but at least with their fucking job. Like Brucen, gotta go. Stephenson got. I mean, Pallister bailed already. Bowman's bailing. Stephenson's gotta go. The research will. Ex and I'm. A, I used to be a conservative, so I, like I'm not no fucking crazy liberal, and I'm saying that. The research will examine the impact of the pandemic on breast, cervical, and. Uh, colorectal cancer screening through the throughout the pandemic. It will also look at the impact on diagnostic tests for breast, cervical, and colorectal cancer and the impact on cancer incident and changes in the stage at which a person is diagnosed with cancer. <sighs> as well, the study will evaluate the impact of the pandemic on treatment rates and time to first treatment. The pro that's, that's the other thing is when, when these doctors catch cancer, they got to treat it right away. And could you imagine hearing that there's a backlog? You just got diagnosed with cancer. And spoiler alert, I, 
I beat cancer, so I, I know what it's all about. But could you imagine? I couldn't imagine. I know what it's like to be di- diagnosed with cancer. And when I was, it was like 30 days later, I think less than that, that um, they did like two sur- or my first surgery. Like they were on it right away. Cancer care is awesome. This, all these problems, that's the government. The nurses and doctors at cancer care uh, kick ass. They're amazing. So uh, the goal of the study is to really understand how the pandemic pandemic impacted cancer care because this isn't going to be the last time the cancer care system is impacted by big changes and we don't want to be vulnerable in the future, Decker said. Yeah, she knows what's coming. We want to learn from this so we can make our system better and more resilient so this that if this happens again or even if there are other disruptions to the system like flooding or equipment failures or supply chain issues, we can manage it better. So, yeah, okay, I'll just continue because it's almost done. Uh, Dr. Pamela Hebert, Assistant Professor of Surgery, Mac, Surgery, Max Rady College of Medicine and Head of Surgical Oncology at Cancer Care Manitoba, said that the disruptions in healthcare services could mean there are people who, oh, this is frustrating, people who have missed or delayed cancer diagnoses. She said there are some unanswered questions they want to answer with this research. Quote, we know the patients who came through the door had received care, but the one of the lingering questions is, are we missing patients? Said Hebert, a collaborator on the study. Are patients sitting at home afraid to get healthcare services and now going to have more advanced cancers? That is a big yes, Manitoba. We all know that's going to be true, unfortunately. Um, and if we don't see them, where did they go? Some patients may have died of COVID. <laughs> COVID. Just being able to explain that and then, sorry, just being able to explain that and then plan the cancer control, I think is really important. Initial funding for the study came from Research Manitoba and the Cancer Care Manitoba Foundation. So there you have it, Manitoba. That's why I call it the good, bad, the ugly. Like they, the Manitoba government, they, they come up with one or two good things like out of the, in their career. And then it just gets worse and worse. So, I mean, like I said, Dr. Rusin and Brian Pallister and Heather Stephenson, you guys have blood on your hands. I'll say that over and over. I'll say that to anyone. These were not COVID mandate, uh, COVID caused. There were, like, take the states, for example. There were states that did lockdowns, states that didn't do lockdowns. And the states that did not do any lockdowns, did not do any worse. They did not have any more numbers. No more deaths. Like I said, Manitoba, all this did not have to happen. None of it. So, I mean, my heart goes out to you guys. If you had like a grandma or grandpa that went through that, was in an old folks home. Think about that for a second when you go to the voting booth. How how that was handled. That was Brian Pallister. That was the PC party. What a disaster. Like I've been saying for a while now, Manitoba, there is hope, though. Please, if you do anything, take anything away from this show, check these guys out. The Keystone Party of Manitoba. Their website is keystonepartymb.ca. They are officially registered now in Manitoba, so they are an actual official party. 
And on top of it, they are accepting memberships. So it's $10, super cheap. And the good thing is you can have a say in your future. Instead of just our current political parties, just playing the blame game. Or half the time they're blaming the other parties or half the time they're just paying lip service to us when it's election time. And they're nowhere to be found like for the next three years. Guys, I had a chat with Kevin Friesen, who is the current leader of the Keystone Party, a few days ago. Um, Yeah, he called back. Could you imagine Brian Pallister calling back? Heather Stephenson, Wob Canoe, any of them. But Kevin Friesen called back the next day. And uh, Manitoba, he is a down-to-earth dude. Seems like just an ordinary Manitoban, ordinary guy. Um, uh, like it just, it, I was in shock that this politician called back. And side note, real fast, man, he probably wouldn't call himself a politician. He'd probably call himself a farmer. Um, but yeah, he called back. And the, also another cool thing is he did say he would come on the show. So I'm super excited about that. But I've been super busy lately, so it's just hard to work things out. My bad, not his. Um, but uh, yeah, when I work, get some time, he's gonna come on, and then you guys. We'll have the, uh, can find out what he's all about. And, uh, you know, I want to help get this, get the word out. Because our current situation, liberal, NDP, PC, COVID made that very clear that that's a real issue here in the province. You know what I mean? Uh, but either way, Manitoba, let me know what you guys think. So, do you think lockdowns are coming? Do you think that, Rusin and Pallister have blood on their hands like I do. This cannot happen again, Manitoba. And if it does, what are we going to do? I mean, I, I didn't wear a mask last time, I'll be honest. So if you're a small business owner, what are you going to do this time? But either way, Manitoba, that is going to do it for today's show. Like, share, subscribe, do all that good stuff that helps out the show, uh, especially sharing. Sharing really helps Manitoba, Gets the uh, helps me beat the algorithm, gets it in front of more faces. But either way, Manitoba, um, I think for the f- future, I'm just going to be doing a show Tuesdays and Thursdays. It seems to work out. I know every time I've told you guys when the schedule is going to be, I immediately changed it. I think I'm three for three now. I think last week I told, I said it was going to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But uh, that's just too much with working full time. So either way, Manitoba, Tuesdays, Thursdays, 9 o'clock. I'm going to start doing interviews. Um, and hopefully just I get better at this. But either way, Manitoba, I love you guys so much. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you in another one.